All right, we got all the lights on that we'll, that we'll get on. Do I need to back up? Yeah, we'll try that. That ain't gonna work either. I ain't preaching way back here, that's too far. Am I in the dark? Bear with me. Come here for a minute, my son. Hey. I'm coming down there. Nah, don't worry about it. This is Donnie, if I say hi to Donnie. Hey to Donnie. All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, they'll give you one. And turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be in the dark, but we're going to survive. I don't know uh, why it's the way it is, but it is. I got this memorized anyway, so I'll be all right. All right. Mother's Day is a fun day, is it not? If you're a mom, it is. I always liked Mother's Day because I knew I had two brothers, an older one and a younger one. <clears throat> I knew without question that I was my mother's favorite, and everybody else knew it. My mom died 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, and I still think about her all the time, and we joke about her, and, and just something about your mom and, and how special that relationship is. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and I've known this guy for 25, 30 years, and I was his youth pastor when he was young, and he now has kids of his own, and there's, the lights are coming and going. He has kids of his own, and we were, just, we were talking yesterday at T-Ball, which in and of itself is an exciting moment when you're, I, I noticed I'm, I'm helping coach my, two of my grandchildren are now playing T-Ball, so I'm, I'm helping coach, and I was yelling at them the exact same words I was yelling at my son 18 years ago, like, run. We had a little boy yesterday, I'm coaching third. We coach third, you're trying to get them to run to you, and then you're trying to get them to run home. So I had this one little boy, he runs like me, which is real slow. And he was coming from first to second, and his name, his name was Mikhail. And I was going, Mikhail, Mikhail, come on, run. And he just kept running past second, went right out to left field. <laughs> went all the way to the fence. He was running to Yale Road. I don't know what. And the inning was over. He was the last batter. Well, in T-ball, the last batter gets the run no matter what. You just run the bases. So we still got, we've got teams changing, going from offense to defense. Mikhail's still running around in left field. So the umpire said, what are we going to do about him? I said, he'll come back sooner or later. Don't, don't worry about it. But I was talking to my friend yesterday, and, and he was talking about kids and about Mother's Day and just about having children. And he has a little daughter that's about 10. And she had done something wrong, and her mom was going to punish her for what she had done wrong. And... So she figures, I know what I'll do. You know how sometimes you'll have children that have you wrapped around their fingers? So she said, I'll get dad on my side. So she goes to dad and says, you know, dad, this is the way it ought to be. And the dad sided with the mom. She said, well, let me just tell you one thing, dad. He said, the only thing between you and mom is a piece of paper, but between me and you, it's blood. <laughs> so she, she thought that would work, and he, it did not. But I, I told him, I said, that's one bright 10-year-old right there. You know, it's blood right here. What we're going to look at today, to take your little hand out, we're going, to, we're going to finish it up finally after seven years. I'm going to catch you up for those of you who weren't here last week, which would be all of us, because we were swimming, and maybe missed, missed the uh, first week, first couple of weeks. This idea of Paul met life, and this, we're going to continue this series next week, but I want to finish this particular outline today. Number one, I'm just going to give you the... Uh, 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 PowerPoint stuff, and then we'll move in. We're going to start with number four today. Number one is Paul met Jesus. Those of you who don't have this already, he met Jesus on his way to persecute. He left on his way to preach. Secondly, Paul met Ananias. We dealt with this a couple of weeks ago, and how Ananias, was, number one, was available to God, but he was afraid of persecutor Saul. 
But then he was accepting of Brother Saul. What, what a powerful moment that was. And then number three, Paul met the local church. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to begin to look at what happened in Paul's life after he gets saved. And he desperately needed to be encouraged. And we're going to see today that God led him to that point. It wasn't all peaches and cream. And, and years ago when I got saved in 1970, and went to this thing called a Lay Institute for Evangelism. And you may, some of you may have heard of that. And they were teaching us how to go door to door and share our faith. And, and I, you know, I, was, I thought that was cool. I thought that would be a fun thing to do. And, but one of the things they were teaching us was just tell people, if you give your heart to Jesus, you'll never have any more problems. Everything will be cool. Everything will be easy. and Everything will be smooth. What I discovered over years is that's not true. The Christian life can be difficult. It can be painful. As we've seen over the last week, sometimes it can just be a physically traumatic time. You can be ill. You can have your property flooded. You might lose your home. A lot of things can happen to you that can be difficult, can be painful. And as a matter of fact, you will face rejection. You will face persecution. There is a huge humming noise in my ear. I don't know where it's coming from, but if we can destroy it. Satan is really active today, and he is into lights and sound. It must be rock and roll. That's what it is. It's of the devil. Music. There is nothing. Jesus promised us that the world will hate you because it hated me first. The time will come when they will arrest you. They will kick you out of the synagogue to the Jews that were coming to him. They will think they're doing a godly thing by putting you in jail, by physically persecuting you, which is what Saul of Tarsus was doing. We've looked at all of that. He's headed to Damascus to do that very thing, to put people in chains, put them in bondage, drag them back to Jerusalem, bring them before the Sanhedrin and imprison and or have them executed. That was his job. He was good at it. Jesus said that time is coming. Don't be surprised. And Paul even writes about it this way later on. It's an amazing picture how after he meets Jesus and as he meets life, it is not always smooth, as we will see today. It is not always easy. He was persecuted unmercifully by the Jews to the point he became their enemy. He was a traitor and they wanted to put him to death and tried. A lot of physical persecution that he went through as well as social, economic, and otherwise. And one of the things he writes in Philippians, and I love that book as a whole, one of the things that he writes in there is that he considered it a privilege to share in the fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus Christ, that it was an honor to be called Christian and to be persecuted for that reason. If we would just understand that one simple principle in our lives today as believers, that it is an honor to be called Christian. It is a privilege to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Not to suffer for doing wrong, not reaping what you've sown for your sin, but to stand up for your faith, to live a life that, that where Christ is glorified. He emanates, you exude who your Savior is, that you love Jesus with your whole being. And people know it. They know what you stand for. And I'm not saying that this is just that I'm for this or I'm, I'm against that. They, they understand that you love unconditionally, even people that hate you. You care about those who would despitefully use you. You pray for your enemies. You ask God to bless people that are cursing you. All the words of Jesus Christ, things he told us to do, that if we would understand that principle, that the returning persecution, the mocking that we may get, the being ostracized, 
All of those things, God says, simply say that you are mine. You're stamped my child, and it's an honor. So what I want to do today is walk through the rest of what happens here in Acts chapter 9. So let's start in verse 20. Number 4. We've seen that he met Ananias, and we've seen that he met the local church there. Now verse 4, number 4, Paul meets the world. Verse 20. See if I can find it here in the dark. Immediately, Acts 9 verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. So in verse 20, what you notice is that he begins to preach to those who he was formerly on their team. They were his allies, and he's preaching to them that Jesus is the Son of God. Notice verse 21. They, all those who heard this were amazed. Yeah, I bet they were. That Saul had come to their town to imprison these Jesus followers, these followers of the way. He had come to Damascus with letters of authority to put these people in prison, and now he's one of them. It'd be like being traded from the Dallas Cowboys to the Washington Redskins. Suddenly, you're on the enemy's team. Or it'd be like your coach leaving and going to the University of Kentucky. (laughs) Suddenly, he's the enemy because he's gone over to the dark side. I don't have anything against Kentucky, but I sure want him to lose now in basketball. I got to deal with that. But seriously, Saul of Tarsus was their man. It'd be like the Yankees saying, oh, here, just take Derek Jeter or or A-Rod. We really don't. Or the Cardinals saying, here, take Albert Pujols. That'd be like saying, whoa, wait a minute now. Just just go ahead and take the best player in the history of baseball. We really don't need him anymore. Saul of Tarsus was the man. He was a Pharisee. He was zealous for the law. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was the man sent to Damascus to punish those who were following Jesus, and he was radically, dramatically saved, brought into the local church there, and now immediately he begins to preach. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul writes this about himself. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. His life became not punish, not persecute these people, but preach about their Christ, because he's now my Christ. He begins to prove that this Jesus is the Christ. The Christ means Messiah or anointed one. The very thing the Jews had been waiting for, the Messiah, the one that was to come, Saul of Tarsus now believes that Jesus of Nazareth is that one. And he begins to go out into the world to, his, to the former camp, to the camp of his former allies. Now, They view him as a traitor and enemy. He comes into their camp and begins to preach to them that Jesus is the Christ and to confound them and to prove to them that it's the truth. And the idea in Greek there is putting it all together. In other words, when we read this, 
in the Psalms, when we read this in the prophets, when we read the story of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice, all of these things that God was doing in the scriptures, the old, what we would call the Old Testament, he begins to put it all together for them and say, do you understand that this story about Moses lifting up the brass serpent is about Jesus being lifted up on the cross? He's the fulfillment of that. Do you realize that the mercy seat, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, that Jesus is our mercy seat? He, be, he is the fulfillment of all of that. Do you understand this? Do you understand that? He begins to put it all together for them because God is going to use this man in a dramatic way. So he goes right back into the world and begins to prove that Jesus is the Christ. So verse 23, everything looks good at this point. He's gotten saved. Ananias has brought him into the church. He's out preaching, but suddenly he meets something else. Verse 23, he meets persecution. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and they led him down through the wall in a large basket. He met persecution after many days. Probably what this is referring to is for three years Saul went away and he was discipled in Arabia. And he comes back, he comes back now and they plot to do what? What does it tell you that the Jews are plotting to do? To kill him. He is the traitor and the cost of being a traitor is you're going to be put to death. He has gone over to the enemy's camp. They're going to put him to death. So they're plotting to kill him. After this time, he's come back. They're saying, no, where he's been gone? Where's he been? For three years. Now he's back, and he's preaching the gospel. They're going to put him to death. Now notice it says they watched, verse 24, they watched the gates day and night. What does that tell you about them, about this particular deal with Saul of Tarsus? If they're watching the gates day and night, what does that mean? They're real serious about this. We're not letting him get away. There's not going to be a time when he can slip through. We're going to have somebody on every gate, both day and night, and we're going to catch him, and we're going to kill him. That is their plot. That's their plan, and they're extremely serious about it. Notice verse 25. I love this picture. He's being persecuted. Clearly, he is. But notice what happens at verse 25. The disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Who are the disciples? These are the followers of the way that he came to Damascus originally to imprison, to bind up, bind up take back, and imprison and or execute. There's a great picture here, and please don't miss it. Saul of Tarsus has been chosen by God to be